Hi, it's Mike from Behind the Axle. We would like to thank Rib Grips Pushrooms for their continued support by donating two pairs of their new product, Rib Grips Covers, which will fit 24-inch, 25-inch, and 26-inch metal pushrooms. They will be auctioned off at Nationals. You can also go to ribgrips.com to purchase Rib Grips Covers, which retail for $149, and you may receive 10% off by using the code GRIPPER. That's G-R-I-P-P-E-R. We would also like to point out that rib grips were invented by and owned by a C6 disabled veteran who fully supports wheelchair rugby and Oscar Mike, our hosts for the USQRA National Championships. Thanks again, Rib Grips, for your continued support. by Dave Menjin and Chris Cook. Together, we discuss about what's going on domestically and internationally with the sport of wheelchair rugby. We like to reach out to each and every one of the athletes, the staff members, the coaches, the classifiers, and the referees out there listening, and we hope that you enjoy our show. Here's this week's episode. All right, welcome everybody to Behind the Axle. You've got your host here, Mike Klonowski. We've got Dave Menjin and Chris Cook also along for the ride. Hello, gentlemen. Hello, my good evening. And we have got a gangbusters episode for you guys tonight. Uh, we've got uh, Tim Vixay from Oscar Mike. We've got Dan Caldwell from Brooks. And we've got uh, Nikki from Oscar Mike who has been organizing the national tournament from the Oscar Mike side. Hello, all you folks. Welcome along. Hey, Mike. Hey, guys. Hey, hey. hey how's it going? So we're going to start off things. Uh, we're, we're missing uh, Nikki right now. She's going to be joining us in a little bit, but we've got a lot to talk about in the rugby world. So we just finished the first uh, national semifinal tournaments. We had one in the East, one in the West, D.C. and Kansas City. We had some great rugby last weekend. And so we're going to talk a little bit about that, like how things went, which teams impressed you, which teams disappointed you, and uh, what all this means as we get closer to Nationals for 2019. So how about we start off with uh, Tim? We're going to talk a little bit about semifinals. Which teams were uh, the shockers and which teams were the disappointers, and what do you think the whole event? Uh, well... I guess we just began with um, thanking Kansas City for hosting. Um, everything went smooth. The weather there was uh, a little bit cruddy. Um, they had a recent snowstorm, but they were able to organize all the transportation. So thank you, Tony, and, and everyone that was involved in there. Um, How's that facility, Tim? That facility was amazing. It was um, the High V Arena, and it was uh, – it was just incredible playing in a venue that had that kind of seating capacity. Um, it was uh, it, everything went well. The uh, the biggest surprise I would say would ha- would have had to been Kansas City. They came in seated seventh, 
and I believe they ended up finishing third. Um, fourth. I thought they took third. <clears throat> I believe they lost to uh, to Northridge by one in that third fourth oh, game. Oh, you're right. You're right. Oh, right. Yeah, we had to take yeah. off because um, the weather was going to turn, so we had to hit the road and get back up here to Rockford. But but yeah, I mean to go from seventh. To uh, to making it to the big show is uh, is quite an accomplishment. I guess the only team that I was really disappointed in was uh, St. Louis. I knew um, they were uh, they were put in a pretty tough pool. They uh, they just fell short of, of punching their ticket to the dance. And then, um, you know what what really threw a wrench in everything was just San Diego was missing two key players. They didn't have James Saw. And they didn't have Travis Morale, which was a huge blow. And, you know, Odie was trying to carry that team. And it just, uh, they went from second to last. Yeah, I was kind of surprised by Sharp. I, I found out later that they were missing those guys. What I'm interested in is why did St. Louis underperform? I mean, you're looking at a team that thrives on consistency. They've got uh, great athletes. They've got great coaching. I mean, was it just the luck of the draw or were the things just not happening for them? It must have just not been the weekend for them. Um, I didn't really get a chance to talk to any of the guys or the coaches, but, you know, they uh, they played us pretty tough in that first game, um, and they, they hung with Oscar Mike for a good two, three quarters. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was really uncharacteristic of, of that squad to – to not show up, especially to, uh, you know, sectionals. They also literally didn't show up on Sunday. Three of the guys flew home, including Chuck Melton. And so uh, the high fives, we actually played them for fifth, six on Sunday. And um, it was a tough game, but, you know, they didn't have the big dog. Um, if I could back up just a little bit, Kansas City to me was way impressive because they Ironman the whole weekend. And... They were uh, they were tight. They played really well, and uh, in fact, I would agree they were the surprise team of the weekend. Yeah, total total Cinderella story. Um, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't sleep on them because they they seem like they're getting hot at the right time. Um, they're young. They're hungry. They're uh, they're the underdogs. So I mean, if if I didn't have a uh, if I didn't have a dog in the race, I I would be totally rooting for them. They're the uh, they're the Cinderella of the ball. <laughs> I don't have a dog in the race, and I'm rooting for him. On another note, three teams from the West did not perform well, in my opinion. Um, you know about Northridge. They didn't have their import, and they also didn't have another Class 3. And yet, they ended up taking third, so they did pretty well. However, they were in the finals of D2 last year <clears throat> Excuse me, with pretty much the same team. And then San Diego didn't have their import. Travis had to go to Great Britain. And then my team, the High Fives, we had a guy with a broken leg and two guys with a flu. And without making excuses, I thought we underperformed as well. And um, Seattle was in there, but, you know, they don't have any high pointers either. So the West Coast kind of, as a whole, didn't do well. Because we had a bunch of uh, players not show on the East Coast either. And these tournament dates that in advance, so... I thought that was a big surprise. I understand the Canadians. They didn't know they were going to end up in Great Britain. But uh, for American players, uh, I was really shocked at how many people didn't 
attend the tournament. There were lots of good reasons for it, I mean, between health reasons and family reasons and uh, all kinds of things, but it just was really surprising. What did you guys think about the seedings and how it all turned out, the way they were selected, uh, the way which teams showed up in D.C. and in Kansas City? A lot of people think there was a disparity in terms of competition. I looked at scores on the East Coast, and um, there were a lot of blowouts. There were more close games, I think, in KC. But overall, thoughts on seedings and how it all shaped up. I, uh, I I like the way I like the format. I mean, we have to play that extra game, but having the uh, the double crossover seemed to work out. It, it kind of made it fair if there was you know one of those anomaly situations where San Diego they were seated second and um, it was pretty apparent that you know they weren't going to make nationals and that what what that ended up doing was that gave St Louis a shot. Um, and then they just they uh, they blew it against I believe Northridge. It was like a two point game, but it, it made it made sure that every team had a second chance of um, making it into the top four. So it was kind of interesting. I mean, you have to play that extra game, but yeah, you know, just just an extra game. Yeah, I thought for sure with that um, the format. I thought that. Um I thought for sure St. Louis was getting themselves back in after finishing third in their pool, but uh, apparently that didn't work um, out for them, I guess. that they didn't play that well. Dan, tell us more about the East Coast. Um, the East Coast went pretty much as expected uh, by the seedings, with the exception of... Uh, DC, who was missing their import, um, Delby, um, but they did have everybody else. Uh, they've had a hard time getting everyone to a, a single tournament all season. They've either been missing their import or Flea or or somebody. It seems like in most of the tournaments they played, but um, but they, they still played well. Um, um, they, they finished third. Um, I think if they would have had their import, they I don't think they would have had enough to beat Shepard. Shepard was just on. Even with Shepard missing um, two key players, um, James Adams really picked it up. And he just played phenomenally. Awesome. All weekend. I mean, yeah, I, I've, I've seen James play a lot, but I've never seen him play like he played last weekend. He was just, he was amazing. So, um, And Shepard's yeah. not going to have those players at Nationals either, correct? Um, I think that they feel that Dwayne will be back, and I think there's a slight chance Talbot might be back, but I'm not for sure. Um, I, but I do think they, they feel that um, Dwayne will be back. Oh, good. Okay. That, that, that's going to make them a little bit even even tougher than what they were. Um, so, and, and did they, I they hear, pretty much handled the whole field. Did I hear Dwayne accidentally shot himself? I heard the same thing. Is yes. that true? Yes, that is true. Oh my! And then what? Uh, what was going on with Talbot? I heard a couple different things, and I don't want to spread any rumors. 
Um, from what I understand, he got very ill while they were in Denver and um, and ended up with a hospital stay oh. there in Denver for a, a little while. So, well, glad to have you, Nikki. We were just. Uh, Summarizing what's going on with the East and West Coast uh, with their uh, semifinal tournaments and just who, uh, who's who been great, who's been disappointing, and what do we have to look forward to with Nationals. But since you're here, we might as well start talking about Nationals. So what kind of a show do you have set for us? Um, we've got a couple surprises in the bag, uh, but just a few... Uh, to start off with, something we're really excited about to start uh, Nationals is that this year each team will have a, a an accessible van to use for the weekend um, if they so desire. I know a couple of teams have said they may not be interested, but um, it's definitely something we're excited about. Um, and really the other biggest thing that we're really looking forward to is the incredible facility that we have access to. For this year's Nationals, we're at the UW Health Sports Factory in Rockford, Illinois, and we have the entire facility rented out for this event. So that includes all eight courts and all of the extra rooms, locker rooms, conference rooms, um, the upstairs, which is its own bar and grill. They've got a great concession stand. They've got great spectator areas. So the facility is probably the main thing that we're excited to show everyone. Um, and I don't know if you guys have seen the teasers on social media, but the other thing we're very excited about are the handmade trophies this year. Fantastic. Where'd you get the handmade trophies from? There is a veteran friend of ours. He's a Marine. His name is Rob Lyday. Um, he is, he's actually operating as our DJ for the weekend as well, which is nice. what he does as a profession with Spartan racing. Um, so it, it's kind of cool. He's been able to be so involved. He's got the DJ side of things. And then in his free time at home, he does welding, woodworking, and other sorts of um, very hands-on creative arts. And he and a buddy have done all of the welding and metal arts for this year's trophies made out of some of the rugby wheels. That's awesome. They'll be very, I think um, we've put out a couple of teasers on what some of the bigger trophies look. Really excited to show off the, the smaller ones and the class awards and everything like that. So that's it's going to be a really cool award ceremony with all of those handmade trophies. Nikki, where can we find those teasers if people don't know? They are on Oscar Mike and the Oscar Mike Foundation uh, Instagram and Facebook pages. Nikki, I actually saw pictures of the trophies on Sunday night. One of the guys at the table, the Oscar Mike table, was showing them. Very, very right. cool. Very unique and very cool. Well, good. I'm glad you guys like them so far. So um, AGM is going to be on Thursday around 4 o'clock. Classification will be happening that night. And then games start in the morning. And then on Saturday night is the banquet, right? Where we'll that be, is correct. We'll be doing Hall of Fame and Athlete of the Year and uh, 
and uh, Spirit of Achievement Awards. So that's really exciting stuff. And then Championship Sunday will be coming up right after that, where we'll see the best of the best. And from what I hear, there's going to be live stream on the championship court, and that's going to be going on throughout. Yes, that is correct. Um, that is as part of the full facility rental. We have designated three courts for play during the weekend of the tournament, and one of those courts is called Champions Court. It's a little bit bigger than the other courts. It's got a better spectator setup than some of the other courts. Um, so what we've done is we've designated that champion's court to be the main court of the weekend. That's where the live stream will be. We've got a couple other surprises set for that court that I can't tell you just yet. But every team will have a chance to be rotated through that particular court. And then Sunday afternoon for those championship games, there'll be an even bigger surprise on that court. Fantastic. Keep us waiting and wanting for more. Exactly. I can't give you all the good stuff right now. No, we, we appreciate all the hard work you're doing. We know that it's uh, no, no light request to have you guys hosting, and we're so excited to see what you guys are going to be able to do. Well, thank you. We're excited to be hosting. It's going to be a much, hopefully, much more exciting experience. We really want to engage the fans this year. So there'll be a couple activities for fans and spectators to do out there as well, not just for all the players. Um, but one other thing that I forgot to mention that I think is exciting for the players is in their staging area, we also have a full staff for the weekend to do massage therapy, cupping, stretching, taping. I know uh, the Oscar Mike Militia, that's one of their favorites when they're up here at the compound. So we've decided to include that in the in the weekend's festivities. But we really try to make it a, a very rounded event for teams, athletes, spectators, friends, family. It's really going to be an experience for everybody in attendance. That's going to be awesome. Thank you so cool. much, Nikki. Thank you, Nikki. Thank you, guys. So let's talk more about the teams that uh, we're going to be seeing at Nationals. Who do you guys think that the top three are for Division One, Division Two? Timmy, going to put you on the spot here. Oh, I have to look at the list. Uh, top, well, Division One off the top of my head. Um. You know, I was in Tucson a couple weekends ago, and uh, U of A looks strong. They uh, they're they're just deep. I mean, their their bench is just getting deep, and it's uh it's gonna be uh yeah, I would say I'd say they would have to be the betting favorite. Uh, Phoenix is always a dark horse. Um, can't ever count out Scott and his boys. And it's hard to call them a dark horse when they've done so well that cruise for so long right yeah but we the game count them out the game just changed i mean denver uh denver's denver got chuck yoki now and jake daly's always um a solid improving player they got newbies back and then they're well yes o'neill's there right and then texas is in the mix um <laughs> Can't really, also can't really pick a top three. You have to pick a top four because you don't want to leave Texas out. Um, 
They got they got Pavone, um, Ray Henniger, who is a uh, um, a recent addition to Team US, and he was very impressive. And he is hungry, um, and he's only going to improve. So, yeah. Remind me, Jim, is he a two five or a two in the US? I believe he's a three five. Yeah, Ray Henniger is a three five. Uh, they got him from basketball, and oh, I'll tell you, his, I'm thinking of Alex. Oh, Alex, I think is he's a two internationally, right? And then a two five domestically. I believe he's still a two five in the U.S. Yeah, yeah. But uh, Ray, Ray, I saw him at uh, tryouts, and just from beginning to end of tryouts, the dude just picks up on things and just makes changes to his game so easily and does it without without all the talk behind him. He just he gets it done. He's been in sports forever. He's a military guy too, right, Tim? He's a Marine. So yeah. we do. We uh we adapt and we overcome. <laughs> and he uh he exemplifies that. He is he's a phenomenal athlete. So I would uh I would definitely not count out Texas. Hey, while we're talking about D1, how do you guys feel about the postseason format in that D2 had to play in, D1 got seeded, and automatically went to nationals? Thoughts? I think the um, the seeding for uh, 1 through 8 was pretty spot on. Um, Minnesota is going to have a tough time because there, there's kind of a big gap. Um, between, I'd say, like, the top four, and then who's uh, who's five and six? Tampa, Lakeshore. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, you have Lakeshore, Tampa in that mix. Yeah, so, I mean, there's the the top fours kind of on a, on a different pedestal, and then you kind of have everyone else, and then Minnesota – we we played them full strength earlier in the season. It was I think they only beat us by one point, or we hung with them up until a point. Um, but it, that that's the way it's always been. Um, and I know uh, Joe Delgrave is looking forward to just embracing that underdog role. And you know they're they're uh, they're the only D one team that's all spinal cord injury. So I mean all the quads all the quads should be rooting for them, right? <laughs> At least to upset. I mean, if they can if they can pull off one victory up there, I'll, I'll be happy for them. Because um, it's just uh, the game's changed. I don't think you can really compete at D one anymore without um, a function player. You know, when I started playing ten years ago, it was uh, Portland was consistently in second place for Division One. We were kind of the Buffalo Bills. My first four seasons, we finished runner-ups for D1, and we were the only spinal cord, or not only, but we, we were... Wasn't Lars up there? Say that again? Wasn't that, wasn't that the Lars years? This was before Lars. We uh, we were using Ian Chan. Oh, okay. Yeah, when we were battling against, like, San Diego. Um, that was my first two years. Uh, yeah, San Diego had Riley, and then... Um, U of A had Chuck Aoki, and then he went back to Minnesota. For those. With a brief stint with the Pterodactyls. Dan Caldwell, tell us about Division Two. Like, what do you see coming uh, coming out of those dogs, and 
which teams are going to surprise, which ones are going to do exactly what they're supposed to do. You were talking about uh, James Adams really stepping up his game with Shepard. They're the number one seed. Do you see them winning it all? You know, I mean, I, I, I think they're probably the favorites at this point, especially if Dwayne makes it back and Talbot makes it back. But um, honestly, I think D2 is wide open. Um, you know, I mean, DC will have their import player back. Oscar Mike is playing really well. I mean, my squad is playing really well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and, and well, in Kansas City, you know, with them doing what they did in the West, and every time we've played them, they, they play tough. Um, so, I, I think that D2 is wide open, and most anyone, you know, I think any of the top, top probably six teams could, heck, maybe even reaching into seven, could reach, could could uh, win D2. It's, I think it's going to be pretty wide open. I think it's who brings their best game that week. Dan, how do you feel about Brooks's chance to uh, win a second D2 championship? You know, I, I feel that we have a good chance. I mean, we're going to have to play our best, best ball, but... Um, you know, it's going to be tough beating Shepard. It's going to be tough beating D.C. Oscar Mike, always, you know, we've had some really good battles with Oscar Mike. Um, so, yeah, we we definitely have a shot, and we're going to, hey, we're going to try to win. So we'll, we'll, we're just going to see, see what happens in a couple of weeks here. I think I would agree. Um, it's a... Uh... It's going to be who can string together the most consistent wins um, and keep it together and who's um, who's taking care of their bodies now and putting in those, uh, those extra hours in the gym because um, I think it's going to come down to an endurance um, component. I think we're, uh, we're going to find out who, who shows up on Championship Sunday. Mental games discounted too. Uh, you know, when you get when you get there, it's a totally different story. Um, you know, our our, our uh, shot at D two, we lost to Brooks there in uh, Houston. Not only did they make good adjustments, but uh, I think that that aspect gets lost. You know, you look at people and how they perform and how they train and how you expect them to end up, and you really have to be there and and ready to take it on when you get there. So it'll be interesting to see how, how people step up and, and Yeah, and we're uh, we're hoping for a, you know a bigger crowd than what we're normally used to. So that'll be interesting to see how um, people deal with that kind of pressure. Well I think that one team that's gonna surprise everyone and we were talking about it a little bit is is Kansas City. Like not not counting you guys out, Tim. I think Oscar Mike is definitely in a position to take care of business. But Kansas City has been so tough in the postseason. Like, they looked so good at last year's sectionals. And then uh, at nationals, I think they were fourth overall after coming in as a low seed. So they peak at the right time, and you guys could be seeing them in the championship. We'll see what happens there. We've been uh, we've been studying them on game film. We've definitely have noticed that um, you know Tony's just done a great thing there. That that program's only 
three years old and he started it from scratch and just to to build what he has and to garner that support that they have in that community has just been really incredible um i'm uh, i'm really excited for for what what he's been doing there in kansas city and uh, yeah i mean i wish him all the best of luck and, and and i i genuinely hope that his team does show up because i don't want to have any excuses or anything i want to I want to beat the best Kansas City team. Could I? Uh, could I plug in my uh, my podcast? You absolutely can. Um, so on Saturday, I recorded um, the first episode for my podcast. It's called uh, "My Crippled Friend," and it's available on SoundCloud. And it's just um, kind of a long conversation format where uh, the first episode I have. Um, the CEO and founder of Oscar Mike, Noah Courier, and we um, we just kind of for uh, almost three hours about just um, you know his, his beginnings and why he joined the Marines and um, how w- what inspired him to start Oscar Mike and um, it's it's really interesting. I'm, I'm hoping to get a a lot more guests on and not necessarily just you know military veterans but civilians and people that are just doing cool things um, in our community and, you know, also in the paraplegic community. And I think it'd be a, it really, it would be really cool to just have a, a show where people can, can come on and, and show that like, we're just, we're normal people and we live regular lives and, um, you know, we share a lot of the same problems that everyone else does. Cool, man. Cool. If we're if we're talking about plugging things, we should also talk about that the postseason auction is going to be coming up for USQRA. That uh, we're going to be uh, throwing some good stuff out there. Uh, we'll have rugby chairs, we'll have uh, rib grips, uh, all sorts of good things will be coming up. So keep your eyes peeled on uh, social media, and uh, when it comes to nationals time, put some bids in, get some good stuff for a low price, all that good stuff. Quick question. Yeah. Um, for those of us who aren't familiar with what you're speaking of, um, where is this information posted, and how do every how do all the outsiders or maybe people not as familiar with it gain access to that? Are you talking about uh, bidding on auction items? Yes, sir. It's going to be on uh, U.S. Curie's Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. It's going to be all around there. Uh, just as you're getting updates for scores. You're going to be able to bid on uh, items, and we'll remind you to bid on those items. So keep your eyes peeled there, and you'll be able to find that. We'll also put some stuff on our website because we have uh, the full capability of advertising through our website now. And uh, hopefully you guys will get some great deals on some great things. Yeah, in case you want to write it down, the eBay account that we sell things through is called Auction underscore four F-O-R underscore U-S-Q-R-A. That is awesome. I think um, if you guys don't mind, I'd love to maybe post that in some of the stuff we're doing in regards to nationals as well. You know, anything we can do to help get the word out there on this kind of stuff. And if we can promote it, you know, on site, in person at the at nationals as well, we'd love to help out with that. Great, thank you. Awesome, thank you so much. We'll get that info to you. Thank you. So, Tim, I've got some questions from uh, 
Cook, if you're willing to, to get grilled for a second. Yeah, fire away. All right. This is going to be some Oscar Mike stuff coming at you. I hope you're ready for it. All right. Speed round. Um, Let's go. So Oscar Mike has done an amazing thing in one year. It has uh, created a team that is this close to potentially winning the D2 championship. What do you think the long-term sustainability of this team is? You're taking people from all across the country. You guys don't get to practice together a lot. Do you think that Oscar Mike Mike's team is going to be around for the long term, or is this a short-lived thing? Uh, I think that's a big misconception, is that we don't get to practice a lot. Um, before Kansas City, we had guys here a week prior, and we had a, a gym space of, what was it, like two four-hour blocks. So we, we got together eight hours before that tournament. Um, which do you guys I guess, fly you themselves know, in, or do you bring them in? Does Oscar Mike bring them in? We brought them in. Yeah, we brought them in, and that's why the majority of us, uh, we were able to drive down. Fortunately, Kansas City was close enough. It's about a seven, eight-hour drive, so we were able to just all caravan down there. Um, but, yeah, we got together, and it was, uh, you know, you break that down, eight hours. Most teams will practice once a week for two hours. So it's about the same. No. Okay. So Dan Caldwell, I've got a question for you. All right. So you've got a good pulse on the league. What do you, uh, what do you think that the league feels about the 150 mile rule being changed just for one team? Do you think people are okay with it? Do you think people are upset about it? What do you think is going to happen at AGM this year when people vote on whether Oscar Mike is a permanent fixture or not? You know, I've, I've heard some mixed stuff about it um, just in my conversations with several teams and reps and players. And um, I, I think that I think it'll get voted back in. Um, I don't really think, you know, I, I really don't think we really crushed any teams, which I think that was any everyone's biggest concern was a team was going to fall apart because they're going to lose these players. Um, I know some teams have been hurt a little bit. Chicago. <laughs> a little bit. Yet. I was going to say, yeah. Hey, Mike, Mike you, you probably got hurt the worst of the, of the whole bunch. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, and, but, you know, it's not like they've created this juggernaut that's going to – to to win the national championship in D one, um, they're 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 going to play very well in D two and have a great shot at winning D two. Um, and I mean they'll they'll probably grow on that. But you know, I, I think that I think I I think that you know I know it was a one year trial and we got to vote on it again. I don't know if people will vote for it to be a permanent thing. At this point, but I think they'll definitely get one more year, and then I foresee it being a permanent thing, possibly after one more year. Okay. You know what I found interesting is uh, that nobody proposed abolishing the 150-mile rule and letting people play wherever they wanted. I don't know if it would go over. I don't know if it would pass, but I I think it's interesting that no one said, well, if we're going to do it, let's go crazy with it. Um, and and try opening things up. 
And, and you know, uh, one thing about Oscar Mike, um, we don't really actively recruit anyone. If it, um, all, everyone that's rostered with our team uh, voluntarily left, and and there was some guys that were on the fence about coming over, um, and I actually told them that I think you know it might be best if you just stayed with your club team because you're going to learn more from them. Um, you're probably not going to get as much playing time on our squad or. You know, like, uh, for example, Chris Fleece kind of was on that fence, and he was asking me last summer, and I told him straight up, dude, why would you leave U of A? You know, you have Chad Cohn, you got Lee Fredette, you you got Josh Wheeler, you're, you got a good thing going there. You should probably stay, and you're going you're gonna to become a much better player in that system. So what do you guys think about that uh, new rule that's coming up that after – uh, three years with a team that a player can leave their team and go for someone outside the 150. Was that a proposal? I must have missed that one. Yeah, but it's it's you can only go to one of the two closest teams if you don't have a team within 150 miles. So it's like it's basically saying you spent uh, some time with a team, it's not working out with those guys. You're not going to get to play or there's personality conflicts or whatever. The idea is that you tried it with a close team. It's not working. Playing there isn't going to work for you. You don't want to leave the sport, so you want some sort of option to play. That was the idea of the person who proposed it. (laughs) Yeah, this is one I'm really on the fence on, and I'm really curious to listen to the discussion in the room. I, you know, every year I go into the AGM and there's usually two or three that I haven't decided what I'm going to vote on. I want to listen to the discussion and see what's going on with it. And, and Hey, that's how I felt about the Oscar Mike rule last year, uh, bringing in the Oscar Mike. I, I didn't decide for it. I didn't decide against it. Let's hear the discussion. There was good discussion. That one passed. There've been some in the past that, do pass, don't pass, but this one I'm really curious to hear a lot of the discussion to see what what everyone's thinking. I kind of like the spirit of it. Um, so, yeah, I'm kind of curious to see how that's going to go. You know, because they're saying it can go both ways. It's like, well, the team's too good for me. I'm not ever going to get any playing time here, so let me go somewhere else. Or... I'm really good, but my team doesn't want to put in the work. So let me go to the other team that does want to put in the work. So, yeah, it's a, it's a very interesting one. And I'll be, I'll be really curious to see how the discussion around this goes. That is interesting. And, and I, I think I'm with Dan. Like, I have, Do we know who proposed that? Because that would be cool to get them on the show and have them kind of explain what their, um, their reasoning behind that proposal is I can tell you that Dr. Cottingham proposed it and it was based on a player coming to him with a specific concern and uh, I, I you know I this one's interesting to me I I uh, obviously don't have a vote as commissioner but uh, you know in my own personal situation my t- I actually have another team within 150 miles so if I really wanted to change my situation I could but I found this year that the other guys on my team, they don't really want to, you know, they've got two kids like I do. They don't want to 
travel a lot. They certainly don't want to spend a lot of money, and we're not one of the teams that has money. You know, we're uh, scrapping and paying for ourselves. So if I want to play more, I either could go to Grand Rapids where they have money and they travel more and they play more, or I stay with my guys. Now, I'd rather stay with my guys, but if I really wanted to play more and my guys just wouldn't do it and I want to be part of a team that's going to go out there and make an effort, what would my option be if I didn't have Grand Rapids? Chicago is so a four-hour drive, man. <laughs> it's outside of my 150. <laughs> right? Yeah. Just barely. Just barely. No, I, I think it's an interesting rule. I think it... Uh, oh, no. It's it's something that the league tends to waffle on, the 150-mile rule. We just take different stabs at it. And... Um, Part of part of the league really likes it because it, it maintains the integrity of teams. I mean, you take a situation like Chicago, we would hate to lose uh, hate to lose talent uh, by someone just going off to a random team. Um, but at the same time, it it uh, stops players from developing. This is the conversation we have again and again throughout the league. So well, be, you'd also like to be able to pick up a player, right? I mean, as much as you hate to lose a player, it'd be nice to be able to. Find somebody and say, "Hey, you know, would you? How would you like to come and play with us and and train us up and and have a season with us that could mean something, right? Like having a two point ball handler, you know, something like that." Chris Hall, Chris Hall, just no saying. bitterness. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I miss you, Chris. Yeah, unfortunately, well, he can join us on this call. His uh, his dad's pretty ill so we're gonna send some thoughts out to him Absolutely. over this hopefully uh, yeah. he's down in jacksonville right now so hoping he just takes care of the family because that's really what's important and uh the game will always be here when he come, when he's ready to come back but he does miss you too mike oh thank you <laughs> talks about you all the time well you know making me blush over here guys you can actually see it <laughs> So, hey, um, I wanted to kind of float this idea. I kind of had this, like, um, just on that drive back from Kansas City, I was just kind of thinking about formats and postseason tournament changes. And how would you guys feel if we did, um, like, if we had nationals, but it was 18 teams, three divisions, six teams in each division, and it's just a round robin? So you have a Division One round robin, a Division Two round robin, and a Division Three round robin. I think it's fairly similar to what Mike Cottingham uh, suggested last year as a proposal for the postseason, minus the round robin thing. Um, I I like the idea of it because it always seems to be that the seven and eight seed get just blown out of the water, whether they're D one or D two. And it's uh, it's no fun. I think it would be much nicer to have an 18-team format where you get six teams, which are pretty closely together. I mean, there's less disparity between those teams. And really watch some great games. Uh, I don't know how I feel about round robin. I, I like the crossover. What do you guys think? hard part to me is scheduling six-team tournaments. You know, the... Uh... Somebody plays the first game and the last game. You know, there's a lot of sitting around. Um, it gets to be a challenge. You know, you can't, it, it just doesn't work out as well 
as an eight-team tournament as far as scheduling and, and trying to juggle things. But I do like the idea of, you know, assuming you can get a facility for an eighteen-team tournament, um, the idea of having three divisions and um, really getting a lot of teams in the mix and more competitive tournaments. Hey, Dave, we've got eight courts to work with. <laughs> yes, but it you know as you add teams, like they've talked about uh, adding a division three and doing it in the same location, or doing both of our semifinals in the same location, and it. You know, as few options as we have for our postseason tournaments, when you grow it, it starts dwindling down facilities that can even handle it, let alone the organizations that are willing to take it on. I think I might, uh, I might, I might know some people. <laughs> yeah, ideally, I mean, I, I like the idea of adding the two more teams and having three divisions ideally the what we need to really do is just grow this league to where we can have three competitive eight team tournaments um you know it's i'm also very involved with the nwba you know and your division is decided before the season starts and, and then you make it into the postseason based on your season play um and those are 16 team tournaments um but yeah if we could i i really think we need to grow the league more before we add another division and I, i'm kind of with, with dave here on the 18 format is the way to go 16 is just it's tough because you don't really you want that last game of the weekend to be that championship game. Whereas in a round robin, the championship game could, could be the first game of the weekend. Um, you know, that, that could be the one that decides who the champion is. So, yeah. Right. Even if you set it up with seeding so that the one and the two play on the last day, you never know what's going to happen. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, the biggest con of that system would be, if you had a, a three-way tie and it came down to a point differential, no one would have fun a, with that. Yeah, that'd be a, that'd be a really weird way to decide to you know change. Kind of like uh, all those years, uh, like Alabama was claiming those uh, those titles, and now they have like sixteen <laughs> championships. So what if we just expand it to twenty-four? Then we got more uh, teams involved, and we got our and we've got the floors for it apparently in Rockford. So. So we're well, saying, you know, eight, last eight. year, every team qualified for the postseason, so every team had a possibility. We don't have that anymore. Yeah. And now I, a committee picks the picks eight teams, and the other ones are decided to play in. So uh, it's a it's a big change, big change. It's kind of like switching to the BCS, where uh, where you know rankings really matter, and you you have to. You have to go to the tournaments where you're going to be seen and you're going to make some noise. Yeah, and that gets to be a problem for our league in that, you know, no matter who or how many people are on the committee that decides who is going to be seated where, nobody has really seen every team play, and they certainly haven't seen every team matched up. 
which isn't what you get to see like in pro football. In college football, you know, a lot of those teams don't play each other until bowl games, just like we don't play each other until the playoffs, unless you happen to be regionally close or it's a team that can afford to pop around the country and uh, hit different tournaments like an Oscar Mike or a well, Oscar Mike is an excellent example, right? Yeah, we've uh, we've covered a lot some, of tournaments. Um, you've seen and, very diverse competition. Yeah, that's um, that's a that's a true statement. We um, we're <coughs> fortunate that we're able to jump around, and, and actually, a lot of the tournaments—well, not a lot, but um, some of the tournaments—we uh, we pay for out of pocket. Um, but we've uh, we do get a variety of competition. Um, there was one team, I saw some kind of backlash on social media, so, and they were talking about, I think it was, uh, they were talking about Philly, I'm not going to point out who, but they were saying that, you know, Philly probably shouldn't have been there, and I was thinking, I wouldn't, I wouldn't sleep on Philly, they, uh, they have a solid team, um, they showed up at the, uh, the Code of Honor tournament in Alexandria, and they uh, they hung with us for two points. Yeah, I don't I don't know what the solution would be there. It, it, I mean, in an ideal world, we would want to try to get you know as many teams playing a variety of teams throughout the year, um, just so we can get a better picture on on the rankings and who stacks up. But right now, what we got um, score sheets and you know you know what would be a really good idea is just to. Uh, to figure out a way to um, stream every game and have an archive, um, and then that way we can we have a network of um, games that we can watch. We can we can watch you know, the New Hampshire tournament. Um, and all it takes is like a four hundred dollar investment in order to get those te- those games recorded. Like all you need is a fisheye lens camera. You stream directly to YouTube. It gets recorded. And someone just has to separate the games. Not saying who that's someone think you is. Need that everyone has a cell phone. Yeah, you can buy you can buy a uh, um, a tripod adapter that just clamps on your phone. And I'm willing to bet you can find one on Amazon for fifteen dollars. Yeah, I know Kansas yeah. City does that a lot with their games. So yeah, I mean, uh, Wild Bill's wife Rochelle. I mean, she'll just hold the phone up and just do a Facebook live yeah. for the entire game. She'll even add some uh, pretty funny commentary sometime. So if uh, you're not following her on Facebook, you probably should. She's got some, she's got some good video. Yeah. And I'm going to add to that uh, about trying to see the teams. I mean, I've been on the committee for years now and it, it, it's pretty tough seeding some of the teams because when some teams don't leave their region, or other teams don't travel into their region, it's really tough. I mean, well, for example, this year, the California teams, um, you know, they they didn't travel outside of California very much, and not many other teams traveled into California. So it was really tough to gauge some of those teams as to how good they were or or weren't, um, and it, it, it goes the same for other teams. But that, for me, that particular group of teams was really tough for me because 
I didn't go to California. I didn't see him play, and not many of them left. I mean, I saw Northridge this year in Houston, um, but you know, for the most part, most of those guys stayed out out there, and yeah, it's just really tough when you don't have that um, those common opponents to to really see how strong they are or how strong they're not. So. I think there's a lot that's going to be open for discussion at the AGM this year. I would like to see those discussions actually going somewhere. I know that not much happens unless it's a proposal, but perhaps we get the ball rolling on this. And I know that uh, Dr. Cottingham is uh, making some overtures of reaching out to the D1, D2, and D3 teams throughout the year so that we can have a better conversation throughout the league. So that when it comes to AGM, it's not just all at the last second. Oh, we better come up with some proposals. It's going to be more, what can we do together to work together to come up with ways of helping this league as problems are coming up during the season instead of just all at the last second. And I think there's potential there. I think that uh, Dr. C has got some great ideas. He's been contributing to the league for a long time. And uh, that's got hope. So keep your eyes peeled for information on that. Uh, I think it's about time that we wrap up our conversation. We're coming up to an hour here. We could talk about rugby all night long. But uh, let's call it a night and uh, go go grab a beer or something. And uh, we'll talk to you guys soon at Nationals. Sound good? Can't wait. Very excited. Thank you, everybody. Tim, Dan, Nikki, we really appreciate you guys uh, taking the time and uh, getting here with us. Hey, thank thanks you very much guys. for having us. Thank you for having us. Anytime. Thank you. Guys, take care now.